James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday morning. It is a frigid, cold morning in New York. How's that global warming treating you, huh? All that global You're supposed to be giving up your gas stoves to fight global warming. And here you are, four degrees outside. But it's warm on the inside, and we're glad you're here. If you'd like to be part of today's program or Saturday morning radio extravaganza, all you have to do is dial 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. Hoping you'll be nice and warm. It is, do you know, at Mount Washington... Which is where is that in Maine? I've been there. New That's Hampshire. New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Thank you. You 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 know Whitelandia better than I do. Scott. Absolutely. White Mountains, yeah. I think. Yeah, White Mountains. I I've been there. I was there, and and you know you have to. You can't um, ride your brakes if you go up to the top of the mountain all the way. You'll burn up your brakes. So you have to go down in low gear if you're coming down. Anyway, it was 110 degrees below zero. At the top of the wind Mount, chill. The wind yeah, chill. wind chill, 110 degrees below zero at the top of Mount. I can't even imagine what that feels like. That is the equivalent, I think I read, of being on Mars. Probably. And I, the thing I didn't understand about that story, they were talking, did you see the thing about the stratosphere dropping below the top of the mountain so that the top of the mountain was going to be in the stratosphere in this? I didn't see that part of yeah. it, really. There's a name for it that I can't remember right now. Uh. Trapo terminal something. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the Chicoms did that. Most likely, the balloon was involved. You know what? That must be all this stuff that happens from um, what is that that they do with the uh, planes? Oh, the chemtrails. The chemtrails must be causing all this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Diego, let's play our song. Yes. We, um, we, yeah, yeah, we are in day two of the commie balloon story. And boy, oh boy, thank you. The United States has the right, the absolute legal right, to shoot down that Chinese spy balloon, say national security experts. Whoa, isn't that encouraging? We can actually shoot it down. Like it took some expert to tell us that. It's flying over our military installations. The governor of Montana's had it. He's ticked. Mm. 
Yes, under the twilight canopy. There's another one. Apparently, that's been spotted off of uh, Costa Rica. So the Chicoms just have these balloons all over the place, apparently. And there have been others. We reported this yesterday in Canada. Now, Scott, you said something to me about the Monroe Doctrine. <laughs> I think this proves the Monroe Doctrine is no longer in effect. You're going to have to. I know what the Monroe Doctrine is. Well, the Monroe Doctrine is. was, ba- I believe, I'm assuming it was done by President Monroe. Is that yes, correct? it was. Okay. It was that under the Monroe administration. He declared that the United States is the dominant power in the Western Hemisphere. That's right. And no one will mess with anything American or in the Western Hemisphere, including Canada, Mexico. That's why NORAD is protecting Canada, Mexico. We, we just we, we handle North America. Everybody else has to stay out. Yeah, that's this no is longer the case. The sphere of dominant influence. We own. We have the sphere of dominant influence. Okay, which is I. We, we learned all that in grade school back when they used to teach American history without all this other stuff. Wasn't it great? Yeah, we learned about uh, the Monroe Doctrine and also about um, you know the the idea. We actually did learn American exceptionalism exceptionalism, even though they didn't call it that in school. And, you know, you also learned about manifest destiny, the idea when America was spreading, it was our destiny as a country to spread from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah, all that good stuff. And so you're saying the Monroe Doctrine is dead now. It's not looking good. I mean, it's just a freaking balloon. They've they violated sovereign airspace of the United States, Canada, and I. I couldn't even find Costa Rica. I'm surprised. All I keep seeing is, is Latin America. I guess you found a story where they actually said where this balloon was, but mm-hmm. that would still be within our sphere of uh, influence. Yeah, it would. It would. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing anything. Yeah. Well, the Monroe Doctrine. I got news for you. Has been dead for a while. You know, the Caribbean's in our sphere of influence. What if we, Cuba's still sitting out there? That is true. You know what yeah, else is in our sphere of influence? Our southern border. We can't control what the hell happens here. There are reports today that that immigrants, illegal immigrants from all over the world are now pouring in from Asia, from other parts of the world. They're just going down to Mexico. Come on up. This is the way in. Is it? Are there? Would you say there are more people from outside Mexico immigrating across the border than Mexicans? Yes, actually, Todd Bensman talks about that. A lot of the immigration push is coming from Central America, and they're coming in through Mexico. And now you have everybody and their mama, their uncles, brothers, babysitter coming in too, from all parts of the world, unvetted. Thank you, Joe Biden and the Democrat administration. So yeah. Monroe Doctrine's been dead for a while. I wonder how Derek is. Let's see if Derek is up. You know, let us see if Derek is up. Derek Hunter, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are just joining our Saturday morning radio extravaganza for the first time, and I invite those of you on Twitter. Let other people on Twitter know that you're here, too, please. And um, because I actually would love to, if you if you found out about us on Twitter, let us know. And you can call in 800-848-WABC. But I want to know, you said that you were concerned, Scott. Well, we I, find it, I find it terrifying that we're just letting a foreign country. Terrifying? 
Well, I mean, what could it lead to? They're, they just... What the hell do you think they're going to do? things over the airspace. Just, just you think they're going to drop? You think they're going to drop COVID twenty from the air? There's nothing stopping. What are we going to do if they want to? Nothing. We'll just be like, oh well, <laughs> we shouldn't be worrying about that. Mm. It's just COVID. It's just an EMP. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not that worried about it. Frankly, we should have shot the thing down yesterday. Oh, yesterday I said we shouldn't have shot it down. We should have just captured it, and I still believe that. There was some explosion, apparently, or what appeared to be an explosion over Montana. There are photos of it. It's a plume of smoke that looks like it's a downward uh, uh, trajectory. And people were wondering, and I wonder if the Chinese destroyed something on that balloon, and that's what we were seeing. But the balloon wasn't there. This happened around sunset last night, and the balloon was in Kentucky at that point. Well, it wasn't a balloon then, see? Well, what was it? Nobody's got a theory. I haven't seen any theory on what, what More this More chemtrails, I guess. Ah, anyway, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. If you want to weigh in on the big, wonderful commie balloon, the Chicom balloon. Hey, Camille, are you worried about the Chicom balloon? Diego, you worried oh, about is the... Is my mic on? Yeah, your mic okay. is on. You I'm not worried, worried because I don't know what it is. It's a big white balloon. It's a white. That's su- the reason to worry. It's a white supremacist balloon, Camille. White pride. It's a big white balloon in the sky, and it's floating. The Chicoms put it up. Apparently, they said everybody should just be calm. We made a mistake. It, we it's a weather balloon, and we just went off course. And so, yeah, it's going all over your military installations. It's looking at all your secrets and all that stuff, or potentially. But don't worry about it. Just be calm. We're the Chicoms. We love you. You guys owe us trillions of dollars in debt anyway. So, I mean, just be calm. And you say, Camille, no need to worry, right? Well, what are we going to do about it? Like, what is there that we can do about that? Shoot it down, maybe? Say it again? Diego, what are we going to do about it? That's... That's what Joe Biden is supposed to do. He's the president. He's supposed to tell us what he's going to do about it. What did you, what would you, if, 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 (laughs) what do you think we should do about it, Camille? I mean, if we, if, if they're spying on us, it's China. What do you think we should do about it? Well, we've got to find a way to make them take it down. Make them take it down? We have a military. We have. We we spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on advanced weaponry. We could point something up there. Supposedly. This thing down ourselves. Yeah, exactly. But Joe Biden isn't doing that. They're just sitting on their butts. Diego, what do you think we ought to be doing about this white supremacist balloon up there? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're good. They're valid arguments uh, for shooting it down, but I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. What's the valid argument for not shooting it down? I don't know. The studying it because, like, the Chinese. I know that they claim that it's oh, it's accidental. It's just a, a weather balloon. If we don't shoot it down, it's not destroyed. We we study it and we 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 make sure it's actually surveillance. What we think, um, but if it's not, we. We conclude that it's not, question mark? Hmm. Interesting. 800 <laughs> That's No, no, don't. I, I want to get your honest opinions on this. 
and I'm glad you're willing to participate. I've got questions for you guys on a lot of things today, okay, not just the white supremacist balloon. By the way, we need to find something from the Carpenters today. Today's the day, the anniversary of Karen Carpenter's death, and I always love the Carpenters. And, yes, I know. There are people, they're so, they're so, so milk toast. They're so, they're so, let's go into the break with with something from the Carpenters. Anything. I like um, Close to You. I like uh, uh, m- m- this is one of, of course, their most favorites of almost, oh. We've only just begun to live. The voice of an angel. White lace and promises. And, and white supremacist balloons. And indeed, we have only begun here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're flying in that balloon. James Golden, Bo Snurvy here with you. It's Saturday morning. Have your first cup of coffee with us. Stay warm. We're coming back. We'll see if Derek Hunter's up. Derek joins us every week. Derek is a columnist. He's also a talk radio guy down in one of those other markets. He's an author. And he was the last new guest host that we had on the Rush Limbaugh program. He's an exceptional guy, and we are glad he spends... We're glad to wake him up every Saturday morning. Your call is going to be a part of the program, too, so stay here. 800-848-WABC. We'll be right back. We'll find a place for this room to grow. And yes, we've just begun. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden. A.K.A. Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. Welcome to your Saturday morning, 800-848-WABC. James Golden, Bo Snurdly here with you. Is this the Bobby McFerrin getting beat up in the uh, stairwell song? It's Al Jarreau, wise ass. (laughs) Bobby McFerrin getting beat up in... Is that what Derek said? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Whatever you are after, you've been given. I'm thinking it's no wonder why that 
Welcome, Derek. Good morning. How are you, Derek Hunter? I'm good, James. I half expected you to come in with, wouldn't you like to ride my beautiful... We already played it. Uh, well... You were still you know, sleeping. happen while you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, Derek, what are your thoughts on the white supremacist balloon that's still floating um, around America this morning? As America's designated spokesman for white supremacy, I, I approve of it. It's wonderful. It's, just, <laughs> it's a way to announce a linen sale at uh, Macy's. So, you know, you just go out and buy some new towels this weekend and you get 20% off. If you mention the balloon. Oh, goodness. Okay, Derek. Now, the Republicans are, <laughs> according to the Hill, and well, I think it was the Hill, Republicans are lashing out at Joe Biden, and they're angry because the balloon is still floating up there. Are you, number one, let me ask you a question I've asked everybody else. Are you worried about it? Worried, no. Angry, yes. We have such an impotent president that sits there and allegedly his first instinct was to shoot it down. But the Pentagon tells him, no, I don't believe that for a second, because I think that people over at the Pentagon, if the Pentagon is turning down the president of the United States when it comes to national security issues, we are screwed as a people, James. We have we are so far long gone. And the people who sit around and clutch their pearls over threats to democracy have missed one of the biggest threats to democracy ever if the Pentagon is dictating what the president could do and not the other way around. Um, secondly, if we can't shoot down a balloon in a safe way that doesn't hurt people on the ground, like a Skylab incident, um, we are in bigger trouble than I thought. Over, I, I used to be a press secretary for United States Senator from Montana. I happen to know there's a whole lot of space in Montana <laughs> where there's there. You could, you could land a lot of jets, in, especially in uh, eastern Montana, without having to worry about hurting a bird, let alone a human being. And uh, you know, if that's the case, we're, we're in trouble. If, if if 17th century technology is what foils our military, we're in trouble. And you don't have to blow it up. You want to see the whatever apparatus is that's stuck to the bottom of it. But if it's, I assume it's not a rubber balloon so that once you poke a hole in it, it just explodes and everything comes crashing down. It's probably some sort of material that well-placed rounds would ventilate the thing that might come down more gently. Uh, as a non-military, non-physicist, if I can come up with this concept, I would like to think that with almost a trillion-dollar annual budget, somebody at the Pentagon could. But if they can't, I'll do it for half price. And I want to know where's the tractor beam. I mean, come on, where's our tractor beam? Send a plane up there. Send one of those huge Hercules uh, planes up there with a tractor beam and just capture it. Seriously, you know, I'm not. You we, might think I'm, we land planes. We land planes on aircraft carriers with uh, chains and and hooks hanging off the back of it. How about we go up and we catch snag this sucker, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, this is one of the things I don't understand. Why do you think? Do you think that there is some some reason that we don't know about that is that would later we would say okay that makes sense. 
that the administration seems to be paralyzed by this. Yes, the first National Bank of Beijing threatened to raise uh, or, or cut <laughs> cut Biden's interest rates in his rogue savings account over there for the family, and so they they didn't he didn't want to risk it. And that's the only thing I can think of is that they on it there are you know a whole bunch of documents and Biden knows a whole bunch of documents tying him to the red Chinese government and and a, a different series of tasteful nudes of Hunter with his various prostitutes and they don't want those to be found or maybe that's another place where Joe Biden has over the years stored classified documents and he doesn't want us to know about it so uh, there have been, of course, conspiracy theories, as they always are. Number one, what we also were told, this I found a little bit distressing, is that this is not the first time that the Chinese have been flying these things uh, over the Western Hemisphere for quite some time. We do know there's another one flying somewhere near the vicinity of Costa Rica that's now been spotted. Canada is on alert. Uh, talk to me for a second. The whole Pacific, there's the Pacific Ocean between us and them. Nobody notices these things over the Pacific and takes them down before they, if the concern is we might squash people on the ground. Uh, I, I assume we're not worried about hitting tanker ships on the ocean because that would be, I mean, if, if you hit something out of the sky and you hit a ship on the ocean, God wants that ship to sink. So the odds are that it's probably not going to happen since it's it's such a vast space. But how do we not discover this until Montana? Montana is not – again, having spent time in Montana, I have not seen oceanfront property in Montana. How do we – does it get that far in before anybody notices? Seems like we well. – right? Granted, there's people in Seattle and Oregon and California are really high all the time. Maybe they didn't notice this, but you'd think that would make them more paranoid looking toward the sky and spotting things that we could shoot it down uh, as it approaches. But no, it it gets to, I don't know where it is right now, it was in over Cape Girardeau, Missouri. They're spying on our friend David Limbaugh and seeing what he was up to. Last oh, night. David, just, I saw the picture from David where they, you know, it looks like the, it looks like a white version of the Death Star up there looking at them or the moon. He, David posted a picture on Twitter about it. It was pretty fun. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, I mean this in all seriousness. Chinese aggression. Uh, Chinese under Obama developed a blue water navy, and that went by, and we yawned. There was a big yawn at it. Uh, they decided, And then they became aggressive in the South China Sea. Now, I happen to have had my toes in the water of the South China Sea before, it is a direct threat to the Philippines, where we're opening up, by the way, new bases. There are reports that the Chinese have been uh, already doing practice runs on how they plan to invade Taiwan. I don't know whether I believe those or not. But you look at uh, the Chinese investments, and I use that in quotes, around the world, whether it be Africa, South America, and some of the things that I've heard coming out of, for instance, some of the African nations is that they've be they're being choked by the Chinese. The Chinese come in, offer all kind of loans, and then when the loans cannot be repaid, they start taking over resources. So, what is are we taking the threat of Chinese 
aggression seriously enough in your view? No, because for us to take it seriously enough, it would require our political leaders of both parties to act like responsible adults. And nobody even pretends to be a responsible adult in Washington anymore. Both parties, every once in a while, Republicans pay lip service to the national debt. And uh, that's it. And it's only when they're not in power, when they are in a position that they can't do anything about it, they become deficit hawks. But when they are in a position to do something about it, they forget all about it. You know, that's why I got a kick out of the debt ceiling debate right now. Republicans are very, very upset. They will not let this happen, the debt ceiling battle. Something must be done. A deal must be struck. Yeah, when they had complete control of government, they didn't give a damn about any of it. They never I don't even remember the debate. You know, they raised that ceiling three times. I don't remember any discussion to you. No. Yeah. So okay. They're not serious. It's like being lectured by your parent with a Marlboro hanging out of their mouths about the evils of smoking. <laughs> James Golden, Derek Hunter is here with us. Your calls are coming up. We're gonna take a few calls. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Derek, also today, before we get off, i got to ask you, the Hill put an article today about the eight Republicans who could potentially challenge Donald Trump in 2024. I want to get your take on some of those names. But we'll continue this discussion here on WABC, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Stay with us. Be right back. Seventy-seven WABC. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now here's James Golden, aka Bo Snurdly, on seventy-seven WABC. Basia brings us back on WABC Talk Radio seventy-seven in New York. with us here with our extended bumper music. <laughs> Derek, ready to go eight. back to sleep? You are awake? Uh, eight Republicans that could possibly challenge Donald Trump, and I know you love that. Yeah. <clears throat> Nikki Haley, what are her chances? 
I was, during the break, I was looking at the list. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are really the only ones with any kind of serious chance at this. Uh, I think the, the larger the field, if you get eight people in the field, there's no way Donald Trump doesn't win. And the fewer people in the field, the less of a chance there is for Donald Trump to win. Um, so I think he's got probably 30, 35 percent of the vote locked up. And you can win those early states and sort of weed out the field early with that kind of percentage. Um, Nikki Haley has the resume. I'm not. I, I'd have to see her on the campaign trail a little bit to get a sense of her energy and the energy for her. But she's definitely got the resume and the biography to make it interesting. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has the resume, has the the heat. He is, as of now, and granted that that and two dollars fifty cents will get you a cup of coffee. But he is right now the the leading alternative, and maybe even the leader. Um, one thing you don't ever want to be is the leader in the clubhouse before the first tee shot, and so he hasn't announced yet, which is good for him because you can burn out. Like remember when. Um, Oh, God, what was the – I can't even remember. Scott Walker. Remember President Scott Walker? Oh, yeah. Yes, he yes. had all the heat early going into the game, and he didn't make it to the first primary. Same with sort of Kamala Harris. She had a lot of heat, and she didn't make it to – she barely made it into December. No voting had happened by the time she dropped out. But DeSantis is making all the right moves, and he is taking, I think, the right strategy when – Trump or others attack him and the media attacks him, he responds in general. He doesn't get specific. I think I think Donald Trump has a lot of things he wants to counterpunch Ron DeSantis on, and Ron DeSantis doesn't give him that opportunity with the way he responds in general. And people have always said, and I'm all, it, it just, he, he, in his response or what they build as a response to a Trump attack this week, if you listen to it, Ron DeSantis talks about people in general who criticize him. He doesn't mention Donald Trump at all. That is the way to go because it makes it difficult to counterpunch or even claim to have counterpunched when you weren't punched in the first place. And so Trump is kind of, I think, frustrated in that sense. So if he keeps doing this, he can play that flirty game and do quite well in the abstract. Of course, all bets are off once you actually get in the race so we'll see but you know for for pre-gaming i don't think anybody's doing it better than desantis mike pence mike pence is melba toast harmless he's the saltine he's not going to get anybody excited he would probably be a, a perfectly fine president and he would be a typical kind he's He's very George W. Bushian, but the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, the Republican Party doesn't want a George W. Bush. The Democratic Party would destroy a George W. Bush. And he just seems like a man whose time has passed. So I'm not really sure he's got much of a chance. Mike Pompeo. I can't remember the last cabinet secretary to be elected president of the United States. Can you? Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> okay, so it's been a, been a minute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas Jefferson. 
is the one yeah. that comes to mind. I don't remember any other one that did it, actually. And maybe yeah. there has been one, and I just don't remember it. Okay, no, it's Tim Scott. Enough, it's rare enough when a vice president does it, so let alone a cabinet secretary. I just, I don't know. I don't know. He lost a bunch of weight, so he's looking good. Tim Scott, again, if you look at, he's one of those guys that's good on on paper, but if you are a longtime legislator, you should be able to point to a legislative record, and I don't know what Tim Scott's legislative record is. Joe Biden, then again, you know, he was a guy who's, he was a senator longer than Tim Scott's been alive, and his legislative accomplishments amounted to what? One thing, the uh, the, the crime, crime bill, bill which, he, which yeah. he had to denounce because Democrats had turned to be in favor of crime. So maybe a lack of a legislative record is not uh, an accomplishment. But I just – I don't see – he's not an inspiring campaigner, too. One of those things that it matters. But then again, people – if you look at the House of Representatives, really beyond the 12 members that you see on, on cable television with any regularity, it is like the cantina in Star Wars. There are a whole bunch of weirdos in there with uh, odd personality quirks, horrible seemingly campaigners, certainly awful on television, and yet they get a majority of their districts to vote for them. So the not being the most compelling campaigner in the world – isn't necessarily a hindrance. It is with me, but it is, or at least it seems like it should be with me, but it isn't with voters. But Tim Scott, I just don't know, honestly, what he has going for him, because his big thing that he's known for is what? Is the uh, criminal justice reform. And the enterprise well, reform thing, that uh, the enterprise districts, again, uh, I don't know what well, they're calling Enterprise zones have been around before. Tim right. Scott this was yeah. This is going all the way back to uh, what's his name? Um, well, Stuart Butler. You're not a racist. A colleague of mine in yeah, Ross Perot, I think. But he, Stuart Butler, a colleague of mine, when I was at the Heritage Foundation, came up with Enterprise Zones in like 1982 or something like that. So they've been around for a while, and they've been implemented in places. So I'm not really sure running on I will make sure the sun rises in the east is. Uh, a campaign slogan, but Tim All right, your is, former governor, Larry Hogan, a virulent anti-Trump hater. He's a hater. Larry Hogan. Larry, Larry Hogan's entire legacy will be wiped out in 90 days. The legislative session in, in Annapolis is 90 days, and that's it. It, it shuts down automatically in 90 days. Uh, Larry Hogan had a supermajority of Democrats, so he was, barely had a legacy to begin with because he uh, really didn't campaign for other Republicans. He was really only interested in Larry Hogan. But he didn't campaign for Dan Cox at all or any Republicans. And now Democrats have absolute control. Even if there weren't a Democrat leftist governor, they'd have the ability to override every veto like they did with him. So what little accomplishments he did have as governor will be wiped out um, in the next 90 days, Larry Hogan, he'll be like Serve Pro came through. It's like he never even existed. I'm not sure how you, I'm not sure how you run on that. He is, he has no legacy. He's the only guy to leave office with all the political capital he amassed because he spent none of it trying to get Repu in Maryland. 
if he could have just gotten to the point where Democrats didn't have the ability to override his vetoes, that would have been a victory. He didn't do that. He didn't even try to do that. So he endeared himself to no one except for the South Koreans from whom he bought several million dollars worth of COVID tests that didn't work. So I, I don't have much faith in Larry Hogan. He's, he looks like a, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine character. If you know the character Morn, he is an unpleasant human being, and nobody has any loyalty to him. It's certainly not on the level that he has to himself. Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin can't. This is the one that befuddles me as much as Larry Hogan. Larry Glenn Youngkin is certainly a better governor than Larry Hogan, or at least is trying to be a better governor than Larry Hogan. But if you look at the election last year, there were three House seats in Northern Virginia that Republicans thought they had a chance at, and they lost them all. And Glenn Youngkin campaigned for them. Glenn Youngkin barely won in Virginia. He barely won because of the time, and he only won because of the timing that he ran in the uh, the issue with parents and parent parental rights and the FBI calling parents a school board meeting terrorist, and Terry McAuliffe was an awful candidate against him, saying, you know, parents need to stay the hell out of education. And he still just barely won. I get it. One of the horrible, stupid things about Virginia and is that they have a, five, a, a one-term limit on their governor, which is just stupid because stupid. the, the – the second you're elected, you're a lame duck, and nobody's afraid of you. Nobody cares about it. So um, he just – he's the wrong guy at the wrong time for president, but he was the right guy in the right place at the right time for governor. Asa Hutchison, who I used to – when he was in the House, I used to think this guy was just the cat's uh, meow. I thought he when he was one of the House managers in Bill Clinton's impeachment, I thought he was articulate. I thought he was conservative. I thought he was a rising. Technically, I suppose we were both right. He went on to become governor. But what has he done since? Honestly, what has he done since, aside from go on CNN and whine about Donald Trump? Like, you don't have to, If you don't like Donald Trump, that's fine. But you don't have to whine about him on television. You don't, you don't sell arms to your enemies, even if you don't like your allies. And he recognizes, like Larry Hogan, that you can get a lot of mileage out of being a Republican who criticizes Republicans. Democrats love Republicans who fire down their own trench. They absolutely love them. Asa Hutchinson isn't as uh, Hutchinson isn't as good at it as Larry Hogan, but that's mostly logistics. Larry Hogan's just down the street from Washington, D.C., so he can go and be in studio with Jake Tapper on a regular basis, and Asa can't. They have to get a satellite truck to do it. But the end result will be about the same. Nobody cares. Derek Hunter here with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break, come back, and then your turn, your calls for Derek, your calls for me. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerly, here with you on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away. Coming right back. Make it all too clear. 
to real New York on 77 WABC. Reed brings us back on WABC. Don't fly your white supremacist balloons over our country. And Otis Redding composition. I found that story. Derek, about the uh, migrants that are now showing up at the U.S. borders. They're Russian and Chinese. From So now hundreds of migrants fleeing Russia, China, Georgia, Peru, all showing up at the U.S.-Mexican border looking for asylum. First off, uh, one thing about the balloon that I just remembered, uh, if it goes over Florida and DeSantis shoots it down with the National Guard, he wins. It, it, yeah, it's, it's Christy Nome should have shot it down when she had the chance with her National Guard. But uh, as far as the migrants, first of all, they're not migrants. They're illegal aliens. There's yes. a difference. My, migrants migrate. Even Fox falls for this crap. Migrants migrate. They come and they ebb and flow like the tides. They go in. They come in when the jobs are there. And they leave when the jobs are, and they come back for the harvest and what have you. That's what a migrant is. People migrate with the herd back in the day, the nomads, so they would go where the food supply is. These people have no intention of ever leaving the country. They're not migrants. They're illegal aliens. So you have to stop falling for the left-wing semantical arguments because it sounds harmless, whereas illegal aliens, everybody, they've bastardized that word. You can't even say it anymore, which is why you should say it every chance you get. Um, and look, the call is open. The doors, why, it, once the word of your kegger gets out, it doesn't matter that you just want to tweet because <laughs> your parents were out of town. And the whole football team is coming. And that's just how it is. So they know the southern border is wide open. Why the hell? You know how much paperwork and how big of a pain in the ass it is to, to apply for even a tourist visa from some of these countries or the uh, I would look into uh, the price of a flight between wherever they're coming from and, say, Tijuana versus anywhere in the United States. It's probably cheaper to fly down there and walk across the border. So it's not a surprise, not a surprise. But never, never forget that they are illegal aliens. They are not migrants. John in Queens, New York. You're on James Golden, Derek Hunter here with you on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, John? I'm fine. A friend of mine called me yesterday about the uh, 
white supremacy balloon he was calling. The, the poor guy has some problems. Once in a while, he checks himself in for some treatment. He's telling me he's calling me at 9 o'clock this morning because that's when patients can make, uh, can make calls. He's telling me that the Chinese are great businessmen. It's really a takeout kitchen. And you can call up there. He's going to call me with the phone number. Let me let me finish. You won't believe this. He's going to call me with the phone number, American Express only. You can get delivery from a drone in seven minutes to your house. So if you want, when he calls me, I'll call you back, give you the number. It's a cold day in case you want some hot and sour soup delivered or whatever. So I don't know who's crazy. Have a good day. <laughs> Boy, you remember as a kid, James, when you uh, maybe they probably had them at your time. The little army guys with the little plastic parachute attached to them. Yes. A tree and you drop. Then maybe you just put the that around your plate, and they just drop it, push it right off, and it just floats down to you. It'd be be awesome. I mean, I'm laughing at this stuff, Derek, but part of me is crying because look, the Chinese are doing this. They're sending balloons over here. We're not responding. What is our military doing, Derek? We're saying, come on in if you want a sex change. Come on in. We'll pay for your sex change. They're saying, we want equity, and we want to be the first military in the world that focuses more on equity, on gender and transgender relations, on sexuality, on all this stuff, everything but military strategy and military readiness. That's what we seem to be focused on. Am I wrong about this? No, it's this weird perverted left-wing morality where they think that being super tolerant and open, it somehow gives them the high road. Well, when it comes to the military in particular, all the high road gives you is a really pretty view of your defeat. And uh, that's what they seem to want. We are, I, I wouldn't, Canada can't be afraid of us at this point with the way our military is going. And that's just sad because a couple of guys in a slingshot could have taken Canada when I was a kid. But it, it, they get woke points. Victimhood is currency on the left. It's like being an early adapter to Bitcoin. You want as much victimhood as you can. They've got the slide rule of progressive victimhood. And however many boxes you check, the better you are. As a person, they don't like the concept of morality, so they've bastardized it to the point that if you just conform to their wishes, wants, and dreams, you somehow are a moral person. And as Russia say, the purpose of the military is to kill people and break things. Break things, absolutely right. And they're not doing that now. They, you know, they it's break a nail. That's like the even... biggest thing that the military lives in fear of. Is oh my goodness, we broke a nail. It is we can't even take down watch. a balloon. We can't even take down a balloon. What I don't get is who benefits from this. How, how the constituency for trans, paying for transgender surgeries in the military or for illegal aliens or whatever is what five people on the face of the earth truly, but it's these wealthy white suburbanite Chardonnay drinking women who are about to pop the cork in uh, what four hours. Once it becomes socially acceptable time to have a, just a little nip, that sit there and look at this and think, well, I've, I'm never going to cure cancer, but this is as close as I'm going to come, is sitting there and say, forcing everybody else to pay for 
the delusions of a tiny fraction of people who will never be able to afford to take a cab to my neighborhood, let alone live in it. It is bizarre and damaging. Ann Coulter is right. We need to repeal the right of women to vote. (laughs) (laughs) Tony and Melendez, it says, Tony, where are you calling from? From Manhattan. Good morning, gentlemen, and the sweetheart at the control room. Listen, I was a teenager back in San Juan, Puerto Rico, a teenager, and the whole island was panicking in the 60s when the president, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, confronted Nikita Khrushchev. And more or less, he says, you pull back as close as you get to my waters, you will see. We destroy you. Who says that? Trump says that to the crazy guy in North America. If you try us before you put the hand into the trigger, I destroy you. Now, that idiot in the White House, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I voted not for him. I was a Democrat. What a shame. I wasted my time. Thank you, guys. Tony Melendez, bye. Tony Melendez, Lionel, bye. Thank you. Uh, Look, point. We took the threat of Soviet incursion to Cuba in our sphere of influence a lot more seriously than we're taking the threat of China. What say you, Derek? The airdropping Kung Pao chicken is not a threat to national security. It might be a threat to people's cholesterol. So, you know, Joe Biden is a wholly owned subsidiary of so many of our foreign uh, adversaries at this point. that It's really the only thing that that explains his actions. I I can't. I assume he lives in terror of the truth about his family's involvement in Ukraine coming out. So he is going to shovel as many Sherman tanks as need be over there to present uh, to prevent that from happening. And with China, I mean, they do have a lot of leverage over us. We can't borrow from somebody. You, you, You borrow enough money from your brother in law and sooner or later, your brother in law gets to sit in your chair. At, uh, at Thanksgiving. So Derek, you don't thank ever you. want to get yourself into that position. You are brilliant, my friend. Thank you for being with us. Derek Hunter, you can find him at Town Hall. You can buy his book on Amazon. You can also listen to him on the radio. Google it. Derek Hunter, the last guest host, new guest host for Rush Limbaugh. My dear friend, brilliant mind. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, James. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues right after this. Talk Radio 77 It's James Golden, a.k.a. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome back. Our number duo here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-WABC. You can expect to see changes in your child's school lunch coming up. The USDA has new nutrition standards. 
That should make you okay, Camille. Do you do you um, when your child goes to how old is your 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 oh yeah she's on the phone screening calls. Put them on hold. Put whoever there is on hold, Camille, because James wants to talk to you for a second. What, what is he asking? Now you have, What's up, you James? Have, how, how old is your How old is your baby? Is my mic on? Yep. Mhm. Your mic is on. We can hear you, honey. Okay. How old is your baby? He's two. Okay, when you haven't even started thinking about school yet, but it's only three years away. Right. Okay, so are you going to prepare lunch for your, and and all that stuff? I'm asking because there's a new story today that the USDA, which is in charge of school lunches all around the country, they want to change the nutrition standards. They don't want as much sugar. And uh, Eric Adams, by the way, has gone further than that. He wants your child to drink vegan juice right. instead of having chocolate milk. Right. And so what do you think about that? Are you going to take responsibility for your own? Or are you going to let them just have school lunch and whatever they serve your kid? That's that. Well, I've never been a school lunch kid. My mom used to make us lunch every single day from God bless her. preschool right up until high school. We had God packed lunch every day to go to school. So I am not even a school lunch kid. So I definitely will be packing lunch for my kid to go to school. And you, so that way you didn't even have to worry about this business. Not at all. He does go um, to daycare, and they do mm-hmm. have, like, um, prepared lunches. They have the regular, like, menu, and then they have the vegetarian menu. But I still put food in his bag anyway. So he has a choice whether he wants to eat what he got from home or eat what's there. You're a good mommy. <laughs> Thank you. He's <laughs> such a good My mom used to do the same thing. I thought that was so old-fashioned mm-hmm. that people didn't do that. Now, my mom would feed us herself. She didn't want anybody else feeding feeding her kids. She's like, no, no, I'm going to make sure. Until we got older. And then it was like, you know, we had a choice then. Right. When we got older, we had we had to work for our allowance. Uh-huh. And then out of our allowance, we could choose to buy whatever foods we wanted. Right. See, my mom made us the lunch, and our dad still gave us the money. So we still, you know, we were we we were actually um we we were allowed to have free lunch. You know how they do like your household income. Some students get lunch free. Some kids don't. My -hmm. sister and I used to let other kids use our student ID number to go get free lunch if if they were one of the kids that had to pay. We were like, we get free lunch. So do you want to go online? Like you can use my card or whatever. Because our mom packed us lunch anyway. Yeah. Kids used to ask us, like, can I have your mom's food? And I'm like, my mom didn't make lunch for everybody now. <laughs> but, but yeah, and you're we gonna carry, And you're going to carry on the tradition. Definitely. Good for you. Thanks. Hey, Scott, did you eat school lunch when you were a kid? Uh, I didn't. Gra- in grade school, I had the school lunch, and then I had the, the uh, uh, summer sausage sandwich, like, every day in high school. The what? My dad just made, he would make like a summer sausage sandwich every day uh, of high school for four years. I had summer sausage sandwiches for lunch. Wow. It got old. It did. (laughs) And did you ever ditch it and just get the school lunch? I don't know that I did. I don't think I ever had a school lunch the entire time I was in high school that I can remember. Wow. Diego, what about you? I I gotta be honest. I sometimes ditched um, the home lunch to get the if it's if it's something good like 
you know, like my school pizza. had uh, no <laughs> the, my, the pizza at my school was horrible, but they had this chicken sandwich, spicy chicken sandwich that was amazing. Every time they had it, I'm like, I I gotta get it. And sometimes I'd save, I'd save my um the my uh my home lunch for like later but like i i, I do admit like it so was only a couple would, times so your mom or your dad were packing lunch for you yeah uh it was mostly it was mostly an early like elementary school thing and then later they were like cook it, make it yourself make your make your own lunch <laughs> <laughs> and did you Sometimes, yeah. It was mostly, I mean, I was, a, I was, what, high school, I was very not, a picky eater, very not health conscious, so it would just be a bunch of snacks. And there, maybe was a sco- there was this store across the street when we, when I was in high school, I went to like slave owner high school, um, in Queens. Andrew Jackson, you know, Trump, Trump likes this guy. He was like the slayer of Indians. They were even trying back in the day to get his name off of Andrew Jackson High School. It's still there. A lot of good that did, right? Um, the Trail of Tears president. And, and, and so, but across from it, we had this guy named Clark, Mr. Clark. He had a grocery store. Man, this guy, and he had students working for him too. And they made the best lunches. So ev- that place used to have like lines every day. It was like, you, and no one wanted the school lunch. Go to Mr. Clark's and go get lunch or else, you know, bring it in from the, that was high school, but my mom used to make lunch for us and, all of that. Lisa says she used to put a little, oh, Lisa just came in with the whole emotional thing. Lisa says she used to put little notes in their lunch bags. Lisa, what did the notes say? You better behave, you little. What did the notes say? Lisa had a, has a boy to grow. What did the notes say that you put in there for your kids? Um, and then we used to, but school. So we used to, so we used to eat lunch, but then we used to get the dessert. Right when I was a kid, they used to have these things. I don't even know whether they make them anymore. Called scooter pies. Man, shoot, scooter pies, and they had this nasty Jello. Ugh. And then what else? They didn't give you like good snacks at school. You didn't get like Oreos or stuff like that. They gave you like scooter pies. They didn't give you the Hostess stuff. We had Hostess Bakery in the neighborhood. They didn't give you any of that stuff. But um. But once in a while, we would get the scooter pies, and once, oh, they would have ice cream. They used to let us have ice cream for dessert in the school. So, yeah, we used to get the dessert. Well, Eric Adams, he is just, I get rid of chocolate milk. Like, what is wrong with chocolate milk? There's too much sugar. Well, if kids are being kids, then they should be burning off the sugar. They should be out doing things, not just sit, sitting on their behinds. They should be running and jumping during recess and going to gym and chasing girls. I mean, and no, and, um, excuse me. And, um, <laughs> they should be active little tykes. And that would burn off the sugar, right? Instead, Eric Adams wants to make these kids drink some kind of vegan juice. And I'm a vegetarian, so I don't think I'm trying to get, you know, and I eat vegan food, so don't think I'm trying to, you know, denigrate vegetarian food. I'm a vegetarian. I have been most of my life. And I like vegan food, and I like vegetarian food, but you're going to take away chocolate milk from kids? It's like, what is wrong with you? Did you have chocolate milk every day? Not a- every available? day. Was it available every day in school? We we Ours wasn't. We didn't get the option. We didn't have it every day. Okay. But we had this place in Queens, it's called Gow's Farms, right? And Gow's, 
you used to go and and we used to get they had chocolate milk they had the best chocolate milk right and you could get and they had like little animals out in the front you could go play with the little goats in the or go see them behind the fence in the city and the cows in in Long Island huh wow it was right across from the it was right across from the border it was right in Nassau County across the border from Queens so we used to go there to you know gals was a big deal Go get like a bunch of milk and get your chocolate milk and get goodies and all that stuff too. Yeah, I love chocolate milk. Oh, and Lisa finally. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna hear from Rhonda later too. Rhonda Schrock, America's small caffeinated mom. She's gonna weigh in later. Her boys drank chocolate milk for recovery after race. Cool. Lisa told us. Lisa's telling us what was in the note she used to. Um, to put in her in her bag for her kids with the school. She said, get your ass home after school and clean your room. Love you. She just said, just <laughs> Okay. So anyway, the USDA is changing things, folks. They're going to get rid of all, they're going to get rid of the sugar. They're going to put stuff like that. They're going to make, they're going to reduce sodium intake for your kids. Make sure they're not going to, you know, because there's so many obese kids, I guess. They're going to make changes to the milk consumption so they don't want your kids drinking a lot of milk. I guess maybe they'll make them drink almond milk and soy milk and oat milk. Are you the oat milk? Like I never saw, I never saw oats get milked before. <laughs> like I didn't see the almonds get milked either. You know, I mean, what, almonds have little teats that they just go ahead and just milk the almond teats? But no, everything's a milk these days, almond milk. And I drink almond milk inside my smoothies, you know. But still, almond milk, really? They could have called it something else. What, <laughs> what, what is it? Because it's water. It's water. <laughs> Like what? No, I guess they just call milk like milk is just a term for it, but it's really like almond water. Like coconut milk is coconut water. Thank you. Yeah. Is it called that because it looks like milk? It looks milky, probably. But they have oat milk, and people well, are they putting sell it next to the milk. It's it, that's where you buy it, right? Right. It's next to, and people are putting that stuff in coffee. I had a friend that said, "Oh man, you got to try." It. One of my friends, they're coffee drinkers too, which I didn't understand this. They're like, oh, man, you have to try some oat milk in your coffee. Like, okay, I'll try oat milk in the coffee because you said so. I spit it out. It was the, it was so freaking disgusting. That almost happened yesterday. Y- yeah, soy milk <laughs> in coffee. Just an entire cup of coffee out. Let's dump it. I'm not <laughs> drinking that stuff. I put the, uh, the almond milk in my oatmeal. And how is it? It's good. It tastes real good. Is it the vanilla flavored stuff? The 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 vanilla flavored almond milk, yeah. And I give my baby almond milk, so I never switched him over to cow's milk. Like after breastfeeding, he went straight to almond milk. What's wrong with cows? I don't know. I just I don't like milk. Cows give people cancer. What? Do they? All kinds of bad stuff. Where did you get that from? Eating beef and stuff like that. I stay away from all that. Well, that's all. That's cool, but. What are you talking about? Milk? What's wrong with cow milk? Cow milk is all American, girl. 
That's true. It it keeps you from getting like osteoporosis and builds up your calcium and stuff. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine your kid coming home saying, "Mommy, mommy, can I have some almond milk with my ice with my Oreos?" <laughs> it's like, what the hell is that? That turns your stomach just thinking about it. And besides, I'm going to ask you, how do you milk an almond? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you crush. I think they crush it, but don't you still mix it with water? Like, where are you getting the liquid from? That's a good question. That's what I want to know. That's crazy. Anyway, okay, ladies. You're over. You're overcooking your steaks, by the way. If they're giving you cancer, you gotta maybe medium rare. <laughs> Seriously, they don't give you unless you're char charring them. <laughs> I've never heard that. W WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. Ah. Yes, indeed. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. Enjoy that glass of oat milk for breakfast. Why don't you? We'll be back right after this. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77 800-848-WABC is our telephone number. Bonnie Pointer brings us back. An anthem of sorts. She's begging and pleading. You like this, babe? You like this? Camille, I want you to pay really close attention to these lyrics. Freedom, Bonnie Pointer on WABC. Ah, yes, indeed. You know, today is in 1938. That's a long time ago. Walt Disney Company released Snow White Supremacist and the Seven Dwarfs. 
well, it was Snow White. I mean, everything with white on it now is white supremacist, so that's what I'm just going to start. Snow White supremacist and the seven dwarves. A tragic day in New York in 1999. Amado Duello, this was the immigrant killed by New York police officers. Boy, did that. 1999, and yet we have Memphis this week still dealing with, and believe me, this is not an attack on all police and law enforcement. But this was one of the more egregious that should not be forgotten. 2004, guess what started today? Social media giant. It wasn't Twitter. MySpace? Facebook. Really? MySpace. Does anybody even remember MySpace? No. Rosa Parks' birthday is today. In 1861, the real white supremacist in America, the Democrats, formed the Confederacy. They met to start forming, that's right, a bunch of Democrats met to start forming the Confederacy. Also on this day, George Washington was unanimously, unanimously, this is not going to ever happen again, elected the first president of these United States. You know who else's birthday it is today? It is Charles Lindbergh's birthday. Now, Charles Lindbergh. He would have known what to do about the balloon. Yeah, he would have been flying that damn balloon. But Charles Lindbergh, to me, is one of the more interesting people in American history. This guy was such a hero and such a villain at the same time. Of course, Charles Lindbergh successfully, nonstop, first solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean from New York to Gepardy. I mean, this was a really big event in world history. Spirit of St. Louis. And then, of course, came the Lindbergh kidnapping. We all know that. His Well, many of us know that. Son kidnapped, held for ransom. But then along comes World War II, and Charles Lindbergh was one of the worst Nazi sympathizers that there were. What happened after his baby was kidnapped, the Limbaugh baby, he and his wife took off over to Europe. While they were in Europe, things were happening in Europe, and and the Limbergs found themselves being treated like royalty by the Nazis. He comes back. He's He's an isolationist, and he and FDR really get into it. And he is... A, this was the quote-unquote America First movement. And, yeah, he was anti-Semitic. And he was anti-the United States getting into World War II. But when Japan attacked, he wanted in. And he did serve even though he had been, he had was kicked out of the Air Corps or he resigned it. And Franklin Roosevelt would not let him back in during the early war. He still managed to serve as a civilian, and he still helped out the war effort. It's an interesting, you know, the only biography I ever saw, a movie on Charles Lindbergh, 
was so lame because it was only about the flight. And that was it. It's like the rest of it. And and then, of course, I saw the, a movie about the, the, the kidnapping. It would be really amazing the way people are doing biopics now. If somebody did a real deep dive on the life of Charles Lindbergh and turned that into a movie, because he is an American icon. There are so many American icons that deserve a good biopic, which reminds me there's an article in the Daily Mail today from, who is it, from Joan Collins. And she wants to know, I'm paraphrasing here, she wants to know why American movies these days are so bad, why they're so long, why they're so boring. And I would love to turn that question to you. I will find the article and ask you the question, if you agree with her. Because her take is that American, let me see if I can find it right now. And by the way, with Lindbergh, one of the reasons I found that interesting is because today there is an article in the Daily Mail about self-flying planes. They are right now in the beginning stages. Self-flying airplanes are gearing up for takeoff. Boeing, Airbus, and other companies are now testing autonomous systems and aircraft. Pilots, of course, see this as a big threat. They're saying, oh, no, no, this is dangerous. This is too dangerous. But right now, it looks like, and there are predictions that one of these days, You can forget about pilots on commercial planes. It's going to happen eventually that your airplane will not have a pilot. It will be a self-flying plane. Are you comfortable with that? Would you be, would you be like these, (laughs) would you, hey, Scott, would you be comfortable with that, a self-driving plane? I don't know if I'd be comfortable with it. It's, it's more just, it, it sucks that. You know, I like the idea of my airplane having a pilot, and I like pilots, and you know, and it 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 it, it lends into um, they want. There's been talk that they want to get rid of the windows in airplanes because they're not aerodynamic enough, and just put in LED monitors where the windows would be and show you what would be outside the window if you had a window. So it's like you have to have total trust that your automatic. Pilot is taking you to the place that you actually think you're going to, and you can't see outside. And I just don't really like that world. How about you, Diego? No, no, I am. I am against all that. I well, I love planes. I love flying. Um, and the, just give me a window. I'll be 15 hour flight. Just give me a window. I'll be entertained. Um, but the pilot thing, I. I also have like kind of like a bucket list thing to learn to fly a plane, and if that's where the direction we're heading, it's heartbreaking. Wow. Okay, Camille. I know you're busy with the phones. The question is, Camille, would you get on a plane that had no pilot in the future? Would you feel comfortable being in an airplane with no pilots? Absolutely not. These robots can malfunction at any time. Like, so can pilots. That's true, but I feel like doing things manually is a little bit more safe than... Wait a minute. Do you think your pilot is flying your plane now? Not not, not completely. They they have it on autopilot, but at least they still are trained to fly. Like, 
I, yeah. I don't I don't trust being in a machine just up in the sky controlling like itself. No. I'm going to be the only odd duck here. I can't wait. Good luck. Why? <laughs> because I just find it is is it's like it's a drone. People fly drones. Yeah, people fly drones. You get on. T- Look, if you go to Atlanta Hartsfield Airport, right? You get on that little subway car. There's nobody driving that car. And that's good. Yeah. It comes. You get on. You. you Drives you, and then you hear the voice saying, please stand away from the doors. The doors are opening. Doors are opening. And then you get off, and boom, you're there. And it's no big deal. Do you believe in uh, universal basic income? Because that's where we're No, I don't if, believe in that. If, but I, I also... Mean, there's not going to be any jobs. There are going to be plenty of jobs. Somebody has to make the planes. The, <laughs> Somebody has to make the technology. Until they automate that, too, and the AI is designing the new planes. They're always going to be jobs. And then once it's made, then what? Your job's done. Project's over. And then you move to the next project. Human race continues to evolve, honey. That's the way it is. That actually makes sense. You know, we always are going to be advancing. There's always going to be something new. I have no fear of that. I honestly think right now aviation is so safe in this country. I mean, yeah, there are little planes that crash here and there once in a while, and it's tragic. It is. You know, I feel bad about that, but... But aviation is so safe, and I actually do have, I think this is one of the few things that government does right, big government, is the aviation system around the world. Compared to the millions of people that fly on flights every day, and the 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 few accidents that, now granted, when there is an accident and it's a biggie, it's really messy, and it's ugly and it's terrible. But they don't happen very often, right? And so I would feel... If if techno when technology advances to that point that is deemed okay, this has the same safety performance record as piloted planes, I would be more than fine with going on there. My biggest problem on an airplane is staying awake. As soon as I cannot tell you how many times I've pulled out work and stuff, okay, I'm on a flight, I need to work, and I wake up and it's like, Oh, well, we're halfway through the trip. Because as soon as I, there's something about the sound of the engines on a plane that makes me want to just go to sleep. That would be a much better innovation if they just put beds, if everybody just laid in a bed in an airplane with a pilot. Well, they have that in super first, super oh, duper, just, super just first stack class. Them all up. Just stack it up like cops. They could probably fit as many people in there. But so have I you seen a, the, have you question. seen the prices? What'd you say, Camille? I had a question. If there's no pilot, that means there's no flight crew, right? So no flight attendants, no one passing out snacks, no one. No, you got a robot for that. You got the little 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 no Jetsons uh, robot comes comes by and gives you your 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 pretzels. No one trained to save us. Yeah, but like the me. robot can mount function. Technology sucks. Trust me, I'm an audio technician. I like that. I like, <laughs> I like that attitude. I like the idea. I like the idea that. They're, I don't know whether they're going to be flight attendants or not. I would hope that they would still be some flight attendants. But, you know, if they're not going to plane, go to sleep, get off. You'll probably get there faster anyway. Once everything is automated, you'll get there faster. So I'm all for it. I think this is a great idea. Now, um, and then your calls. We want you all to weigh in on all of this. Joan Collins is the person I'm speaking with. That story is also in the Daily Mail today. Why are movies today so depressing? Why are they so confusing? And why are they so interminably boring? 
And she she says that she uh, went to movies, first movies. Her folks took her to see a Shirley Temple film. She nearly fell in love with her cheeky charm and cherubic curls. From then on, she was hooked. She went to the movies two or three times a week, became fascinated by the stars of what is now known as the golden age of Hollywood. But these days, films uh, fall into a few rather predictable camps. Plot-free. They don't have good plots. And then, of course, you get the, you know, the boring, the long movies, the movies that go on and on for hours, the movies that are so complicated that you can't keep up with with I guess a lot of that to me is editing. You can't even keep up with the storyline. I'll throw the question out to you. Why do you think, do you agree with Joan Collins that movies suck these days? And if you do, why do you think they suck? 800-848-W, are we late for a break? We are, um, but it's okay. Uh, real quick, I want to tell you, you asked about the price of super-duper first class with the beds. I'm looking at it right now. Emirates, New New York JFK to Dubai on that uh, double-decker uh, A380. It's actually not as bad as I thought. It's 14802 14,000 or 1,400? 14,000. 14,000. Wow. I know. I looked at, when I I went over to London earlier in the year, some airlines wanted from New York to London, first class, I'm not kidding, for two tickets, the price would have been some crazy figure. For me, it would have been, it would have been with the bed, Almost $12,000 for a seven-hour flight. I've heard some of them go up to 30000 And that Emirates one, though, those go higher than that. There are some that you can pay up to, I think I saw a flight once that was bordering near $50,000. Isn't that when you buy a plane, if you can afford that? Well, who would want that? I mean, you know how much planes cost these days? If you fly that like five times, you got an airplane. A G4, a Gulfstream, a private plane, a G4. I will tell you from from my limited knowledge, I'm not an expert in aviation. And I know some people in this audience are. Rather than me tell you, can you tell us what the price of a private plane is like a Gulfstream G5 or a Gulfstream G4. You're talking big bucks. And how much does it cost to get that thing off the ground and on the ground? WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. Your calls are coming up. Don't go away. 800-848-WABC. Be right back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Look at you walking in here looking all pretty and angry and mean and good. (laughs) (laughs) I know you didn't get your head down so you can just sit down and just sit still. Hey, we're trying to have a good time tonight. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. It's my birthday. Uh, No, it's not. 
Home Hot. That's where I keep my pens. Bruno Mars. No, you don't. You never know I might go. Can't say, Can't I, say won't. I won't. There's that smile I'm looking for. Was that so hard? If you ever need a smile again, girl, take my, Here's my card. So confirm on your attitude, baby. You gotta relax. Let's head back to the telephones. Jeff in Forest Hills, New York. How are you? Jeff. Hello, Jeff. How are you, Mike? That's how you're doing. Oh, good. So nice to hear from you. We're gonna go to Tom now in Bergen. How are you, Tom? Good morning, Mel. I just want to let you know, I think I've connected China and Russia. Don't let me stop talking like a Brit. Anyway, uh, China and Russia to the whole issue on our on our beaches with these uh, whales. Um, they're killed by vessel hits, a lot of them, and um, some uh, form of uh, nets, like uh, illegal nets that the Chinese were using, these uh, drag nets that are two, three, four, four miles long. And yes. when we get close to them, they tend to, to just cut them and drop them. And they're just killing thousands and millions of fish. And as it comes, as they they are taking so many fish out of um, the, the ocean right now, it's driving the the, uh, the smaller schools back in towards shore. And these whales are coming in, and they're getting caught on sandbars a lot. That's another wow. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I was I wanted to be an oceanographer when I was younger, and um, didn't work out. Um, but I had an idea about the balloons. Um, yes. I, it's just a, this is a conspiracy theory. Uh, I will say that this balloon might be just a test run for inatmospheric aspirating weapons, biological. And um, they could be testing innocuous gases right now and agents. And, uh, you know, they have people here already that are in, in our country. I mean, didn't they make a movie about millions of people coming over the southern border? Well, there are people right now. We have a story this morning that China and Russia – and are, are among the countries where people are coming in now over the southern border. So you got that part of it right. Look, normally you know me. I'm like anti-kook. Like we don't even. And by the way, I get so ticked off because I had to change the name for my queen of kooks person. That we we're, we're still waiting for her to debut here because she's got the best conspiracy theories in the world. She's the one that introduced me to the real detailed knowledge about the chemtrails and the 5G towers and how the 5G towers, what is, what is it that the 5G, oh, yeah, if you 
I think if you stand underneath the 5G towers, you get fried or something. I think it interacts with the graphene in the vaccine. Right. Right. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the theory. Right. So the 5G towers with the stuff with the thing and the, yeah, and all that stuff. But I was going to call her Queen of Kooks. But this week I saw somebody in in one of the papers called Joy Reid the Queen of Kooks. And I'm like, that name's taken now. So done with that. But anyway, there were a lot of people, and, and this is one where I don't blame people for wondering because our government is not telling us anything except that they don't want to act on it. Why are they too scared to take this plane, this 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 white supremacist balloon out? What is going on? Are they worried that if they take the white supremacist balloon out, that COVID-30 will spread all over the country or something? I don't know. And people are also... And by the way, the Chinese are very aggressive. There was another news article last week about some of the things that China wants to do with the properties that they are buying in the United States and how they are being used for nefarious purposes. So I can't blame people for speculating on what the Chinese could possibly be doing with the white supremacist balloon up there? We don't know. Tom in Woodbridge, thank you for being so patient and for waiting. Oh, my my pleasure as always. Uh, before I get to my main comments, speaking of suppression of vital information and news stories in the mass media, the yes. best concise, the best concise uh, report on basically ownership relationships, uh, you know, the agenda of the liberal media, what they're pushing in terms of homosexuality, CRT, you name it, all this negative uh, anti-American, uh, anti-Western tripe in the mass media. The best survey, succinct survey that I've read so far is called Who Rules America? by National Vanguard Books. You can actually pick up a copy on Amazon.com. And yes, folks, Amazon still sells reading materials to the general public. It's uh, Even though you can buy virtually anything on, in the universe on Amazon these days. And I do. But again, it's a... Yeah, but uh, again, it's a Who Rules America by National Vanguard Books. And again, it's a best read with regard to, you know, who controls companies like Viacom, Disney, Comcast, uh, all the major corporations, their officers, what they have in common, their political affiliations. It's a great read. Definitely pick it up. Who Rules America by National Vanguard Books. Now, let me get to my uh, comment. Now, with regard to uh, the police, I think way too many Americans, especially white conservatives specifically, you know, they have this almost you know, fetish about law enforcement being somehow tacitly on their side. And, you know, I want to disabuse you of that uh, that notion if you're someone who's possessed of it. You know, the idea that police are somehow politically aligned with the people is nonsense. The police exist to protect, first and foremost, the politicians. And what are politicians under our system of government? They're prostitutes for the men who control the mass media. Because without that control over the mass media and control over public opinion, the prostitutes in political office could not get elected. All right. So, again, that's how it works. I mean, it's, it's an overgeneralization, but, again, I'm short on time, so you had to forgive me. Okay, but, you know, so again, let police... me respond to that. Okay, let me respond to that. I support law enforcement because law enforcement is all that stands between communities and absolute 
terror, and chaos. Now, look what's happening in New York. Look what's happening in Philadelphia. Look what's happening in Baltimore, in Detroit, in in uh, uh, Los Angeles. Look at what the violence, the level of violence that happens in these communities, okay? Now, the police can't stop a lot of it, but they can stop some of it, and they do. What I am not in favor of are the rogue police. And there are more, I think, rogue police than many of us would like to admit. There was another story today about another murder that took place. I didn't even print this one out. Okay, and you can keep going back. Now, I don't know whether it's a problem with training. I don't know what the problem is. In the case of Tennessee, there was obviously a problem with standards. And, in fact, news articles pointed this week that in Tennessee they had lowered the standards for recruiting. Well, you lower standards and you you have to pay for it. But never forget and this is where I do find an alliance with what you said, we should never forget that police are agents of the government. And conservatives, we talk about how the government is ineffective, how big bureaucracies are ineffective, and the police are no different. They are a bureaucracy. We have to take a break. We will continue on this discussion if you'd like to. Uh, Yeah, I support the police, but I do not support rogue police. And by the way, heritage... I want to talk about this when we get back. 800-848-WABC. Be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Just to be close to you, girl. Just for a moment, well, just for an hour. One of the early hits from the Commodore. Just to be close. Talk Radio 77 in New York. Uh, we had the president of the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Kevin Roberts, running with us. And one of the points that I asked him about, we were talking about the debt ceiling and all of that good stuff. But I asked him about Memphis. And here's the thing that, that, that concerns me, bothers me. Every time you have one of these shootings, whether it's Memphis or wherever it is, or an incident like this, we see the same people show up. Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton shows up. And what I asked, what I asked, what I asked Dr. Roberts was, listen, why do we 
conservatives get all mad, get our panties up in a bunch when Al Sharpton shows up, when we are never there? Why are we never the ones there talking with these families, comforting these families, uh, standing up for these families when there has been an injustice done to their family? If you're going to get mad because Sharpton shows up, then okay, but why aren't we there? And one of the things that, that Dr. Roberts and I talked about is actually trying to do something between the Heritage Foundation, this program, and the program we have during the week, where we can start playing a more active role in our communities and reaching out to families and, and to people and, and starting a conversation among the not starting the conversation in some cases has been started, but highlighting the conversation that needs to happen. We need law enforcement. There's no question about it. If you look at what's going on in New York right now, it's, it's ridiculous. These criminals roaming the streets and, and the Democrats just letting these people out of jail so that they can prey on our senior citizens, so they can prey on our children, so they can prey on hardworking men and women that keep this city running. And this party, the Democrat Party, they don't give a damn about you, folks. They don't give a damn about your safety. They give The only thing they care about is their ideology. And to them, unbelievably, they've come up with the idea that it's racist to keep criminals in jail. It's racist to keep people that are poorer in jail because rich people can get out and can afford bail. I mean, the stupidity of this is astounding. They would rather see you and your family harmed so they can feel good about their ideology rather than actually caring about your safety. But there's a lot of dialogue that should be happening. You cannot have a culture that glorifies criminality in its music and in its culture, in its movies, that glorifies the criminality and expect there not to be confrontations with the police. That doesn't make sense. You can also not have police departments with the kind of training or, or, or standards of what happened in Memphis that allow a gang of thugs to put on uniforms and execute citizens. That is not due process of law in America. And we need to stop talking about these things in all these dress-up terms and talk about them in real terms. We can't have thugs in police uniforms. People that don't respect the rule of law actually, well, then again, we have them in the White House on down, don't we? A bunch of people who don't respect the rule of law who are charged with enforcing the law. But something has got to change in this dynamic between black communities and there's not one monolithic community black communities, and law enforcement. And the answer is not defunding police. Most people that live in neighborhoods where these liberals run, the last thing in the world they want is for you to tell them we're going to stop policing the neighborhood. That's all that stands between these people being able to have some modicum of safety and not. But if conservatives want to sit on the outside and criticize everything and point their fingers, that's fine. But let me tell you something, it's not going to change society. This problem with law enforcement 
is an all-hands-on-deck problem. And conservatives need to be playing a part in these conversations, not from the outside, but from inside these communities. And Dr. Roberts agrees with me on that. We'll see. We're working on on some ideas to see what we can do to help move the ball on this. And your input, by the way, we love your input. You can reach me on Twitter at Bo Snerdly, S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y. You can, um, the Daily BS is the, the news website that's in pre-launch right now. So your input, too, and your thoughts. And if you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to take more phone calls. Also, America's Small Caffeinated Moms coming up in the next hour. Surprise, the show's going so fast, but then again, it always goes fast on Saturdays. The fastest three hours in media. Boy, that's plagiarizing somebody. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC, and we are coming back in just a few moments. So stay where you are and stay with us. Number Trio, and here we are, 800-848-WABC, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza winds into the third hour. Harvard University has gotten rid of their quote-unquote misinformation research program. They've severed their ties with the director of the program, who was one of the people that cast doubt on the Hunter Biden laptop story. Her name is Dr. Joan Donovan. She was a so-called expert in the dangers of social media misinformation. And yet, what did she do? Spread disinformation herself. She was just another Democrat partisan hack. And you have right now, let me tell you something. There is such a, you know, I, I talk, I've talked about this in the past. Conservatives are so not organized. Democrats and their media allies have all kind of things. There is a group right now. I, I forget the name of this group, whether it's Fact Guard or whatever they are, something like that. Supposedly, they monitor media. They're a bunch of Democrat hacks. And so what they do is monitor in uh, websites and they give them their seal of approval or not based on news stories. NewsGuard, I think, is the name of it. And they, this group is not an unbiased group, as far as I can tell. And yet, here they are with the ability to affect the revenue of conservative and other media sites on the basis of their point of view of whether their stories are misleading or not. You always ask a liberal about misleading stories. They live in a different universe than we do. They do not operate with the same facts. They do not use the same sources for news. 
but yet they put themselves up as the arbiters and they get a gang of them together and that's one of the ways that they that they're suppressing conservative news outlets because they go after the advertisers and what do we do in response to it nothing nothing they are so politically organized on the left and this is something that we on the right or not. There's a story today at Fox. Border, this is back on the immigration front. Border Town's only hospital, and this is the hospital in Yuma. They're running out of resources. They're on the brink of collapse. Why? Because of the invasion of illegal immigrants. And... It is to the point right now that residents of Utah, American citizens, cannot get the services they need because it is being overrun and overwhelmed by illegal immigrants. $20 million in unpaid expenses. Yuma Regional Medical Center, the only hospital within 60 miles, delays residents' care. So if you go to get care yourself as you can't because they are so busy taking care of the illegal immigrant surge that's coming through many of the, those coming across the border into pregnant women. That's a whole nother deal. Cause of course, you know, the baby drops in America, American citizen sign me right up. One of the other things that's never changed. The agitators in New York, you know this whole New York thing where the illegal immigrants refused to leave the hotel, mostly single men, refused to leave the hotel. They didn't want to go to Brooklyn. Now, in a way, you can't blame them, right? You're in Manhattan. You're in the lap of luxury. You're in a luxury joint up in Manhattan. And then they tell you, oh, you got to get out. We're sending you to the Brooklyn Piers. And you say to yourself, somebody translate for that for me. Once they get it translated, they say, what? ¿Qué pasa? No. No, no, no. Adios mio, I'm not going there. And so they don't. But there are a lot of agitators, as it turns out. Activists. There's one activist that's involved in this. I think she comes from California. And they're organized, and they're helping lead the protest of illegal immigrant men who are demanding to stay at their hotel of choice while they're here basically begging for help. Sorry to put in such blunt terms, but that's what it is. There are, uh, there's a leaflet, Spanish language leaflet, near the scene, seven myths about the police. They challenge the notion that police officers exercise legitimate authority, that we need police to protect us. And all this is being handed out to the Immigrants. There's um, this woman who lives in Los Angeles now, was a Queens native. She works for one of these agitators, the Coalition to Defend Affirmative Action, Integration, and Immigrants' Rights, and Fight for Equality by Any Means Necessary. (sighs) That's a big coalition. They are joining, and they're trying to as they say, arrange who can fly, who can rent a car to bring in other activists. They are, they're, they're, they're agitating. 
Yeah. Today is also the day that Rosa Parks was born. Now, Rosa Parks would have lived probably an obscure life if it were not for the bus ride. And it's hard to believe. For many of us, this was within our lifetime. It's hard to believe. December 1st, 1955. Rosa Parks riding in a crowded bus in Montgomery City in Alabama. When the driver, upon noticing there were white passengers standing up in the aisles, demanded that Rosa Parks and other black passengers get up and surrender their seats so the white folks could sit down. Three of the other passengers got up. Rosa Parks said, no, I'm not getting up. She was arrested for not getting up so that the white folks could sit down. She was fined $10 for the offense and $4 for court costs. She never paid either of those, actually. She accepted help from the NAACP, a legitimate organization back then, to fight it. Case actually ended up going to the Supreme Court. And this is one of the pivotal moments in American civil rights history. She said she was tired. She wasn't old. She was 42 years old. Only she was tired. She was tired of giving in. She wasn't the first black woman to refuse to give up her bus seat. A 15-year-old girl, Claudette Colvin, had been arrested for the same offense nine months earlier. Dozens of other black women had preceded them. However, she was the secretary of the local NAACP. So she had the resources to actually fight this thing. And ended up, of course, black passengers were a significant part of the ridership. And Dr. Martin Luther King, this is one of the first things that he, on his way to um, notoriety, organized a boycott, the Montgomery bus boycott. Black riders refused to ride the buses. And believe me, they were a significant part of the ridership, so that also, along with the court case, forced change. Now, I bring this up to say not only happy birthday to Rosa Parks, but black people are told in America that in a lot of ways that they don't count, mostly by liberals, that they're victims. Oh, poor you. I just got through arguing, a friendly argument, because it was more of a debate, not an argument, about this AP course that has been changed in Florida now after Ron DeSantis thankfully raised hell about it. It had a bunch of CRT stuff in it, and um, 
And I say the words queer because that's the way it is described in the newspaper and a lot of queer ideology in it. And it makes you wonder, what what are these forces, these liberal forces, trying to do? And it's not just the black Americans. This queer ideology, you've seen it in public schools now, these drag queens that are going into schools, these school teachers taking their kids without parents' consent to drag queen shows, drag queens in the library. What are they trying to do? What is it they are trying to do to your children? If you use the words grooming, they get upset, the left. But tying this all back to Rosa Parks, within our lifetime, all this has changed. At least within my lifetime, within many of your lifetimes, that America is done. That Jim Crow Democrat Party America And the Democrats were the party of Jim Crow. Make no mistake about it. That's who they were, the Southern Democrats. They are done. It's over. It's not coming back. Instead of focusing on the remarkable progress that black people in America have made within the scope of one lifetime, we continue to hear nothing but how awful America is, how evil America is, and how black people are perpetually victimized by being in America. I guarantee you this. Sorry, Debbie. I guarantee you this. Even Americans at the lower end of the financial spectrum in America are doing better than most people in the world, and we never hear things from that perspective. If you, any of you have ever gone to a country where there is true poverty, you will see what horrible conditions, not millions, but billions of people around the world have to live in. And when you compare that to America, it's not even close. If you're sitting in a million, a middle-class home anywhere in America, most places in the world, they would think that you are living like a king or a queen. But that's not, and these achievements that have been made. Am I saying we don't have work to do? Of course we have work to do as a country. We have work to do as a world. We have work to do to get our souls straight. Because we are, this battle goes beyond race, it goes beyond borders. We are in a battle between good and evil on this planet. And you can see the evil popping up from so many different places. But we should have a lot of gratitude and be teaching gratitude for so much of what our life is like in America. And instead, all these years after Rosa Parks sat down, Democrats would have you believe this country hasn't advanced one bit, and that's just a shame. James Golden, a.k.a. Bostonelli, coming back. Your calls next, and then a little bit later in the program, we're getting closer and closer. America's small caffeinated mom. We'll come back in just a moment. Don't go away.
Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, is on 77 WABC. Zen the Vandellas. One of my favorite songs of the Motown years. Heat Wave. Of course, it's not a heat wave in New York. Temperature is five degrees. Stay warm out there, no matter. Make sure you dress in layers if you're going out. It's cold out there. You know what I loved about this Motown music from this era? It was happy. It made you want to dance, but it made you happy. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's. Uh, America's small caffeinated mom is on the line with us, Rhonda Schrock. Hello, Rhonda. Good morning. Good Saturday morning to you, my love. Good morning, James. Oh, you know what? Before I forget it, I just have to say this. Your staff is a hoot. I just enjoy hearing the back and forth, the banter that you have. And I've been listening long enough now that I'm kind of getting to know, you know, their personalities. It's it's fun just to hear you interact with them. <laughs> yeah, we I have the best staff in radio. And it's not and I'm not kidding. I'm glad and you know, Camille's not with us every week, sadly. And but 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 also Avery is here too when Camille's not here. And between Avery and Camille, I mean these guys are I love talking with and Diego, of course. You know, I have an I have an affection for Diego, fellow musician and all of that. He's a much better musician than I am. And Scott, Aww. our resident white supremacist. <laughs> Someone's gotta represent. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And and which and one Derek. eats he is funny. We were Eric is amazing. Yeah. We were laughing this morning. I forget which politician he was talking about. And he said, you can't run on a slogan of, I'm going to make sure the sun rises in the east. <laughs> yes. Oh, Anyway, he makes us laugh on Saturday morning. So, Yes, and Diane is going to be back with us soon. Diane is oh. dealing with some personal matters, and she will be back with us, Princess Di. And we had done, for all you people that ask, yes, we have not. Princess Di is still with us. She's. Dealing with some personal matters, she'll explain when she comes back. Well, I look forward to hearing her her voice again. Her analysis is always, well, very insightful, but she has a way of encouraging us. And I don't know what you're hearing uh, where you are, but I know where I am that people are hungry for encouragement. So I appreciate that about her. Me too. And yeah. people love hearing from you, Rhonda. You're part of our staff. <laughs> well, I thank you so much. I, I appreciate that, and I, I love doing this. Um, I can see why Rush fell in love with the listeners and started feeling, you know, like they were family. It's Absolutely. a special connection. It really it is. It really is, yes. So 
here's the topic that I picked out uh, for today, James. And I think what I want to do is just read the essay that I wrote at my beloved coffee shop yesterday and then pick your brain on it and just have a discussion about it. I picked the topic of gender. I was cruising the Daily BS last night, and I saw you had at least two articles on the front page that had to do with this topic. It's a very big issue right now. And James, it is a personal issue for me because I know people and families who are struggling with this issue. And there's a lot of pain around it, a lot of confusion. And that hurts me to see people suffering like that. It is affecting people's lives. And I've been thinking on it a lot, kind of distilling what do I believe about this? What is the truth? And how, because it's always the truth that sets us free. So if it's okay with you, I'm just going to read what I, I have written. Absolutely. And I want to talk to you about it. Years ago, when our second son was a toddler, I sent him out to the backyard with his brothers, thinking that he was safely ensconced in his extra saucer at the garden's edge while his siblings pulled the weeds. I was working at my desk, and then the phone rang. It was a friend who had just passed by our house. He told me that as he was approaching, he saw what looked like a traffic cone in the middle of the road. Then he said, I saw that the traffic cone was waving. It was the toddler, darling caboose of our family train. He already had a checkered past with a history of numerous escapes. The little Houdini had done it again. There he stood in his pampers and tiny jeans, waving at oncoming cars. Thank God and all the angels, for two of our neighbors saw him and rushed out to snatch him to safety that day. After the terror had subsided, what infuriated and confounded me was a shocking statement from the lips of the friend who had seen the whole thing. None of the other cars even slowed down. They just went rushing by. This story comes back to me today as I consider the state of our beloved America. Increasingly, relative truth wars with the absolute, and strife and divisions war with love. It is becoming harder and harder to keep a clear mind, to see things as they are and not as we are told, to find the delicate balance between truth and love with the courage that it takes to live there. It was truth and love that rescued my toddler that day on the road. Truth saw the danger he was in, and love refused to leave him. The interruption of his blithe and happy waving campaign may have hurt his feelings, but it saved his life. Today, I am one small mother looking up the road. I see countless sons and daughters of other mothers standing in harm's way at risk, not from rushing cars, but from an insidious lie that is gripping our land. And as such, it is love that compels me to tell the truth. The truth very simply is this. We were created each one by a loving God. In love, he knitted us together in our mother's wombs. He determined the color of our eyes, the shade of our skin, the shape and contour of every face. He assigned us all a gender. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, tells us why. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. Genesis 1, male and female, boys and girls, both of them made in God's image. 
Men reveal something of the nature and character of God. They show the father heart of the eternal one. In noble men, there lies much strength, strength that is needed for the protection, provision, and care of all those that such noble men love. Women reveal something of God's nature and character, too. As a woman, I partner with God in bringing forth life. I offer comfort, sustenance, and a fierce maternal love that will face down adversaries much bigger than myself on behalf of those that I love. In these ways, I, too, provide for and protect my family, and I do it uniquely as a woman. It is a high honor and a privilege to be an image bearer of Almighty God. We tamper with this grand design at grave risk to ourselves and to all who will come after us. It is the height of self-delusion to believe that we have such power. The worst lies, after all, are the ones we tell ourselves. We were made to be men and women. We reflect the image of God in our very bodies, Hurt feelings and painful experiences can never change unchanging truth. The truth is that we were created in love. We were created for love, both to give it and to receive it. Blaise Pascal said, there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man. He was right. It is a vacuum that can never be filled or corrected by any surgical alterations, denials of who we are, or attempts to reverse our own biology. It will be filled only when we know and believe the undying love of the one who made us all. To my fellow Americans who are hurting, feeling the ache of that vacuum, please know that this small caffeinated mother is praying for you. Know this too. I hold nothing but love for you in my fierce maternal heart. There is room at my table for you. And always and ever, God bless America. Wow, that is simply awesome. Let me just comment on this before we have to go to the break. I remember um, you you are saying something that I also heard our Princess Di, who we talked about, say. And what she said, and I I thought about this, you you triggered this thought. She said the, the people that are actually having this argument are not arguing with us. Their argument is with God. Oh, I love that. And that is it. They and, and and so one of the things that I look, look, I am stunned that there were times run when I shake my head with with just disbelief that we are actually engaged in such a widespread conversation about biology, about the idea that there is such thing as a man and that there is such thing as a woman. I can I shake my head with disbelief when I see people like J.K. Rowling under attack because she states a simple truth that men cannot be women and women cannot be men. Now, we can do a lot of things with surgery. We can do a lot of things with genetics. We can do a lot of things. But we cannot change the basic building blocks of life that our creator has put left to our own devices, we cannot make life. We can procreate the the life that has been given to us, but we cannot make life. We can't do that. Mm. And it is, and, and until, look, 
I don't. Some of these arguments that we're having in this country would have been unthinkable less than 20 years ago. And I think we as a society need to ask ourselves why we're having these arguments right now. That's an excellent question. It's a good place to start. You have to get down to the root of it uh, instead of just dealing with the symptoms. Where is this coming from? And you said it just earlier in the show. We're in a battle between good and evil. And right. this thing is not only, it's not only, uh, you've seen the progression, you know, the toxic masculinity, the attack on actual manhood, um, that brought confusion. And by the way, Holy Scripture says that God is not the author of confusion. So where there is confusion, there is another force at work. That's always a telltale sign. So now people are confused because of those attacks on what masculinity looks like, stripping men of their strength. Uh, then nature balances itself. So then women, uh, some, some women begin to take on those uh, more masculine characteristics that they're stripping the men of. And then there's confusion, and then they get into uh, sexual confusions, which leads to perversion. And Balenciaga comes to my mind, right? Uh, it's been a progression, and it's targeted. A, purpose, a purposeful progression. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And it comes from a source that's not just human. Humans are partnering with it, and that's why. I'm, this is what I'm teaching my sons, James. I realize the older I get how critical it is to have wisdom, to seek wisdom, to pursue it, like Proverbs says, as if it were gold. It is true godly wisdom that will keep you off of the rocks and keep you from getting swept away by these delusions which mutate into utter perversion, godlessness, and now we have drag queens in the libraries for story hour. As a mother, that makes me furious. And it should. Rhonda, we have to go. Yes. Our time here has come to an end, and we've got to head to a break. (laughs) Thank you, as always, my dear. Love having you you here. We'll look for you next week. Okay. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurder. We're coming back Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza continues right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Your calls coming up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. 800-848-WABC. Remember, Larry Kudlow's show comes up after this one. You'll want to stick around for that. Heat Wave brings us back on the Groove Line. All right, little music trivia. Who wrote this, Diego? No idea. Rod Temperton. Really? 
Yeah, Rod Temperton was the force behind, behind Heat Wave. Of course, many of you know Rod Temperton songs like Thriller, Rock With You, like a lot of the songs that made Michael Jackson, Gimme the Night, George Benson, all those songs, Rod Temperton. You know, I kind of see it. Yep. Let's head to the telephones. Vinny has been waiting for such a long time. I owe you an apology for keeping you on the phone that long, Vinny, but I'm glad you waited. How are you? No, of course. I'm doing great. How are you, Bob? Good, um, thank you. With three, one quick thing I wanted to say. You were talking about the school lunch that made me laugh. Um, my mother always made my, my lunch. It was either peanut butter and jelly or bologna and cheese. And I remember by lunchtime, if I had the PBJ, the bread was purple. So uh, it's one thing I always remember growing up. With, uh, um, but, was it Wonder Bread? Of course. Oh, always with Wonder Bread, yep. Yep. But with regards to the spy satellite you were talking about earlier, one thing I don't understand is Google Maps could actually zoom in on a swimming pool in a house. Uh, but they can't zoom in on a spy satellite to find out exactly what's going on with one of their government satellites? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Vinny. How is that for defying defying credibility, incredulity. Exactly right. We have all kind of technology at our disposal. Heck, we can find every one of those people that was at J6. We can find all of them, but we can't actually figure out a way to bring this thing down to earth and capture it. Really? Mm-hmm. Vinny, great call. Well worth the wait. Thank you so much. Robert in Suffolk County, New York. Hello, Robert. Let's go to Frank, then, in Staten Island, New York. How are you doing? Good morning, James. Good morning. Hey, yeah, you're talking about, like, there's a few things I would love to comment on quickly. Charles Lindbergh, a very interesting character. There was a movie about made about him years ago. It is on YouTube member with Joseph Cotton and uh, Bruno Hauptmann, the man that was accused of kidnapping the baby, was played by a young Anthony Hopkins. It's a very, very interesting f- film, uh, going into the whole story. You know, in New Jersey, Lawrenceville, New Jersey, that's where the house was for, um, uh, for Ann Morrow Lindbergh and Charles Lindbergh. And um, I, it's, I think it's still operational right now as a, as a home for boys. In a way, I mean, it, you, maybe you can visit it, maybe not, but it's so tucked away in the woods. It, it, it's a weird thing. And, and there is a conspiracy theory about Charles Lindbergh that maybe he was the one that damaged the, the baby. And then he freaked out and he had to hide the baby in the woods. And, start, uh, and it's one of those weird conspiracy theories about him. Well, you know something? I saw the movie that you're talking about. I remember seeing it. And that's why I was saying I hope that I wish that there was a different, a, a new biopic on this that could go in depth with it. This whole thing was, I don't know, historically, it has always been questionable whether the Lindbergh plot was really gotten to the bottom of, whether we, whether the right person was apprehended or whether it was a wider plot. 
And I don't know whether that question has ever been answered. But Lindbergh certainly had one of the most interesting lives, and it went kind of both ways, hero-villain, because of his alliance, as I said, with the Nazis, uh, being a sympathizer for the Nazis. But he wasn't the only sympathizer. Remember Joe Kennedy, father of the Kennedy the, the, the Kennedy Empire. Joe Kennedy was also a Nazi sympathizer to the extent that Roosevelt had to call him back from his ambassadorial duties at St. James Court, I believe. But anyway, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Let's go to Chris in the Catskills. How are you, Chris? It must be hey, cold. Good morning. How cold is it in the Catskills this morning? Zero. Yikes. I wanted to talk about the bill that was passed on Thursday with bipartisan support called the Denouncing the Horrors of Socialism in the U.S. House of Representatives. Now, 98 Democrats voted for it, including Congressman Pat Ryan, whom I know quite well, and 86 Democrats voted against it, while 14 voted present. All the Republicans voted for it. Now, Pat Ryan won by a very narrow margin in a purple district, and the Curious Joel endorsement put him over the top by under 2,300 votes against Colin Schmidt. And now Ryan's service in the United States Army, several tours of duty in Afghanistan, got him some split-ticket votes. Ryan is now being attacked by the DSA, Socialist Association of New York State, and they're threatening a primary challenge against them by some deranged members of the DSA on social media. I wanted to call this to your attention. Well, thank you. You know, it's an interesting thing that when you actually put it up for a vote, that so many Democrats could just admit what we all know, that they are not opposed to socialism. They are, in fact, socialists. One of the things that I've appreciated about this time that we're in is they're not hiding anymore. Democrats are openly telling us, yep, we're socialists. Yep, we are hardcore socialists. And a lot of that has to do with the acceptance of Bernie Sanders. So at least I think it's a great day for that. Thank you so much for the call, Chris, and bringing that to our attention Dave calling from Arizona. How are you, Dave? Hey, Bo. God bless you, brother. Hey, I'm here in Arizona. It's going to be 77 today. I, 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 I can't take the cold up there in New York. But I was going to say, I work at the Empire Ranches out in Cochise County. And last week, we, we came across a half a dozen illegals. One of the bulls chased him up in the tree. And uh, so we got the bull away. away. We we caught, we got the illegals down, and they were from El Salvador, Nicaragua. We called Border Patrol, and uh, so they Border Patrol ended up coming, picking them up, and getting them off the ranch. But we were giving them water, asking them, where, "What were you doing? Where are you going?" A lot of them said they're going to New York. Like, they're going to New York because they got free food, you got hotels, and and they're being propagandized down in south of the border. You know, I ain't got nothing against Mexicans. We got some good vaqueros that work at the ranch bowl. I mean, these are the finest cowboys in southern Arizona. And and black cowboys, you know, I mean, un- unbelievable cowboys out here in Arizona. You got to come out here, bring your whole team out here, Bo, and do a remote. I mean, when, you, when you're talking. I would love, family, and I bet you the team would too, I would love to do a remote from Arizona. 
I'd love to hang out with the Cowboys. You know, absolutely on a ranch. I would love to make that happen. We gotta let's go. Thank you for the call. We let's let's do it. Let's go. Look, I, that's what I say. We got to take a break. Speaking of, let's go. Let's do that. We're coming back. More of your telephone calls. Straight ahead. Don't go away. Radio 77 WABC. It's Saturday! It's Saturday! 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 It's Saturday! It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Pack my bags last night, we fly. Elton John. Zero hour, nine a.m. Rocket Man. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. As we head back to the telephones on WABC, Dom in Minnesota. How are you this morning, Dom? Good morning, James. You know, we already have a pilotless Boeing 747, the Air Force One in the White House, controlled remotely from outside the White House. That's the best example of the technology, which is already proven and established. <laughs> so, I love it. You know, I never in a million years thought that John Gotti would be occupying the White House. You know, that's that's really disappointing. I'm guessing that the balloon is dropping off documents that the Chinese have already seen, including the Watergate documents taken by Nixon, which is why they're not shooting it down, because there's more to come. So I think this attack by Hunter and his dad could be a legal strategy for Joe and Hunter. They can't admit that the laptop exists. But they are still going after people that are talking about it. So the strategy may not be legal, but fear. And I think Joe must be charged with child abuse because it's starting to look like he's been using Hunter's addiction to Parmesan cheese as his retirement vehicle. (laughs) Parmesan cheese. (laughs) Dom, thank you. I appreciate the wit and the, the humor here and also the theory on the balloon, the white supremacist balloon. Larry in Brooklyn, New York. How are you? How you doing, Mr. Golden? Uh, the thing here is these cops that killed that poor kid in Memphis, they deserve to be punished. They're not really cops. They shouldn't have done what they did. But why I'm calling you now is you like to use the word thugs a lot on your program. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. five New York City police officers were murdered by thugs. By mm-hmm. thugs. Okay. But you use the word thugs. Okay, that's you. That's what you do. Now let's go to the uh, Stephen McDonald. He was paralyzed. He was a police officer doing his job. He that's was paralyzed right. by a thug. That's let's right. Go to the, by the Bell Parkway, a lady was jogging on a summer day, killed by a thug. That's a lady right. in Central, a lady in Central Park, murdered by a wolf pack of thugs. Now we're going to go down. By the way, if you're talking about the Central Park Five, that particular group has been exonerated. There were others who did it. 
But yeah, go ahead. But, but your point still remains. They were thugs. Let me just go a little further. Now, a Chinese lady going up to her apartment in Chinatown, killed by a thug. A woman going coming from work, hit in the head by a thug as she's going down the subway. Chinese lady crushed to death by a thug. A month and a half ago, you've seen it on, on TV, a woman was stomped, stomped on by a thug. Now, my question to you is, 23% of the population of New York is made up of black, whether it's black on black crime, but yet over 50% of the crime is committed by blacks. Now, let me just make one more point, and then you can well, give me question? whatever the hell you want. I'm not going to yes. give you hell. What's the question? The question is, as long as Sessions and Hastings and Cousins are in office, they're not going to change the bail reform because they know most of the blacks in New York City are committing crime. Now, what do you Wait, have to no, say? Stop, no, stop right there. Most of the blacks in New York City are not, are not criminals. And that may have been a misstatement on your part, but that's what you just said. Now, if you were saying that blacks commit a disproportionate amount of crime in New York City, you're absolutely right. That's a fact. And I'm not going to sit here and deny facts. And this is one of the things that I continue to say. And if you were listening to me, I said, we have to have a conversation. I'm the one that comes on this radio station and says very clearly that we have to have a conversation about the culture and how it is that a culture can glorify criminals. And I come on this program and say, if you want to avoid interactions with police, one of the first steps in it is to not glorify crime, to not glorify criminal behavior, so that your kids don't come into contact with police. I further say that when you have an uneducated mass of people that has happened in New York under Democrat Party rule, where people have no accountability in terms of the education system, and you have 242-plus failing schools generation after generation, you're not producing people who can participate in society. What do you think is going to happen in your society? These are all things that have to be addressed. But you keep looking at things on a racial line, and the problem's not racial so much as it is a question of moral. We have a moral breakdown in this country. And yes, you have a disproportionate number of black people that commit crimes. But you also have a majority population that still commit more crimes in numbers because simply because of the disparity in numbers. But what difference does it make at the end of the day whether they're black or white? A criminal is a criminal. A criminal is a criminal. A thug is a thug. And I come from the Sly Stone school. Don't hate the black. Don't hate the white. If you get bit, just hate the bite. That's what I have to say about it. George in Rockland County, you're up next. Yeah, good morning, James. So uh, I'd like to talk about, talk about what you raised there in the previous hours about uh, how great it is to uh, all this technology. So not too long ago, uh, there was a movie called Battlestar Galactica. Do you remember yeah, this movie? I remember it, yeah. I didn't okay, see it. So, 
Okay. Uh, well, I suggest for people that admire technology to look at it. Okay. You know, uh, sci- sci-fi sometimes shows things that uh, may be coming our way, and in this case, the remnants of humanity were chased by the Cylons, which were the machine. Okay. And the idea was basically to exterminate whoever was left from humanity here. So you look now on on high uh, on big tech here. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's what would lead to the machines, but who says that the machines that build the machine in one point would say, listen, those human beings are wasteful, we don't need them, we can handle uh, this... Uh, Man, you're talking about the Matrix here. That was the whole premise the, also of the Matrix. This idea that machines can become sentient life forms is one of the reoccurring themes in science fiction. And I love it. Do I think that the machines are eventually going to kill off humanity? No. One, one thing about humans, we are the ultimate when it comes to adaptability. And we can make machines, we can destroy them. And believe me, if the machines rise up, they're going to find out who's boss. Let us go to Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. Thank you for the call, George. Let's go to Stanhope, New Jersey. Andrew, how are you today? Good, but Fred Sanford, he would describe you as an uppity black. When we, you don't like the scooter pies. When we lived in South Orange, one block away from Newark, my dad would buy a huge case of scooter pies for Halloween, and it would be all black kids, mostly men, big, you know, teenagers would come for the scooter pies. And that makes me uppity because I said, what did I say? I said they serve us scooter pies at lunch. I would eat the scooter pies, but I wanted the Drake's cakes. Okay, come on, man. They had ding-dongs. They had yodels. They had uh, Hostess Twinkies back before they were the Forever Twinkies, back when they were really soft Twinkies. They had all kind of good snack food, but they gave us scooter pies. There was so much other. We had Wise Potato Chips. They gave us scooter pies. We had those Hostess Lemon Pies. They gave us scooter pies. We had the Hostess Apple Pies. They gave us scooter pies. I wanted the other stuff. That doesn't make me uppity. It just makes me a connoisseur of snack food. Thank you, uppity. I'm a uppity black. Go figure. Because I, I wanted something besides scooter pies for dessert? Huh. Well, okay, Dave, got time for you really quickly. What's going on, Dave? How are you? Welcome it's Saturday morning here on WABC. Yes, about the balloon. I heard some Air Force major yesterday mention that he thought this balloon was a dry run. The Chinese wanted to see if they could do it and get away with it. If so, at some future date, it would be possible they could send a balloon over with a nuclear device, and if they set it off, it would cause an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, and that would knock out our communications, knock out our electricity, everything. And that could possibly be a first step in a, in a first strike. Okay. That sounds like a reasonable theory to me. Hey, Kev. Hey, it's uh, time for us to go, sadly. As always, what a treat to be with you each and every Saturday morning here on WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. This is your uppity black, along with the white supremacist, along with... Our brother, Mexican-Americans, along with Camelia. Camelia, I think you must be an island girl. We got the whole diversity thing, like, working up and throughout. Yeah. And I'm the uppity black. 
May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll see you Monday at 4 o'clock. Bye.